Hi, welcome everybody to April Encounter. I'm Caroline. And I'm Rosemary. <laughs> and we are sort of dual sharing um, the, our, our time together. Um, so when I was invited to speak, um, I had a seed of an idea that I wanted to um, speak about. And it was from Revelation, Revelation 12, verse 11. And it says, they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. So in my mind, I wanted to spend this time speaking about the power in the blood, having just been Easter, so that would be good. And speaking about personal testimony and the power in that and how everyone's got one. Um, so that in my mind was how this was going to go. Um, and I always feel just the responsibility of being up here or up here at home <laughs> speaking <laughs> um, just just to get it right just to be accurate and to be contextually true to, to the word and so I started looking through um, the passages before and after in Revelation um, from the one I wanted to speak on and I just realized there was a lot more to it <laughs> than, than that tiny bit that I wanted to speak about um, and, and in a way, it sort of also changed what I wanted to speak about as well with, with the more understanding from where I was looking at it. So I thought, who do I know <laughs> that knows a lot more than me <laughs> about the original you know, meaning of the word and the original context? And so I um, called Rosemary and I asked her, she might say, I begged her, but I, I would still say I asked her <laughs> um, if she would like to just come on board with me on this and just really share more of her wisdom regarding um, this passage. So um, I'm really pleased that she said yes, and, and she's really put a lot of um, work and effort in, into this. So um, Rosemary, thank you, and I'll, I'll hand over to you. <laughs> Yeah, thank you, Caroline. Um, when you when you asked me, um, I I just had this niggling feeling that I had to say yes, although it came at quite a, um, a not terribly opportune time, but I did feel like I had to 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 say to say yes. Um, and I found it challenging because it's a long time since I've um, um, spoken about Revelation, and um, certainly those middle chapters of Revelation are quite complex aren't they <laughs> so um the first thing i did was to set myself to read the book um because we can um we can never understand a passage can we um unless we really understand its context it's not just a few paragraphs around it and revelation um, so I started reading Revelation again, but by, by the way, Revelation is book 66 of 66. And if you really want to get a deep understanding of Revelation, you need to read books 1 to 65. That is Genesis as far as, uh, as, far as Jude, because uh, there's so many ideas um, in Revelation which, um, that, that come elsewhere in the Bible. But because at times... Um, at times, John is having to speak in code. Lots of people think that um, John was writing at a time of persecution. And so if you've got a shared experience um, in the past that actually maybe the people who are a threat to you don't understand, you can say things 
um, in a slightly hidden way, uh, which uh, make it safer for you and safer for the people listening. And of course, those ideas are all um, are all drawn from other books in the Bible, as well as a bit from the cultural context. Anyway, um, I started reading Revelation again, and over the last however long it is month, I've been reading Revelation quite. Um, slowly and studying, but as soon as I read chapter one, because your verse, let me read it again, your verse says, um, and they have conquered him, him is the dragon, the great dragon, the devil, Satan, and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. That word testimony is a key word um, but the minute you start reading revelation in uh, in chapter one it's full of the words bearing witness testimony testifying and um above all in chapter one verse five uh, verse four grace to you and peace from him who 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 is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from jesus christ the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings of the earth. And you get to the end. So that's the first paragraph of Revelation. And you get to the end of Revelation. And uh, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. It's bookended by the fact that Jesus is the witness. Jesus testifies. Of course, um, testimony, testifying is the language of the court, telling the truth as you have seen it, telling the truth as you have experienced it. And that's who Jesus is. In fact, Jesus got in trouble in John chapter 8 um, with his opponents they said to him you are bearing witness about yourself your testimony is not true you know other people have to bear testimony to you but jesus answered even if i do bear witness about myself my testimony is true for i know where i came from and where i am going but you do not know where i come from or where i am going and actually jesus as the faithful witness is above all testifying about who God is and what he knows of God's purposes. Uh, and he does this by his proclamation, but of course, above all, he does this by his life. And as you just said, Caroline, we just had Easter and we've really been focusing on the cross and witnessing to who God is, what kind of God he is has taken Jesus to lay down his life on the cross and be raised up again. Uh, and so as we go through in Revelation and we get to chapter five, uh, we get another of our key words because uh, the elders said to me, this is chapter five, verse five. One of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has, con has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. 
and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain by the throne, raised to that position of honour, is Jesus as the lamb still looking as though he's been slain because in testifying to who God is, what kind of purpose does God have for his, uh, for his world? Jesus has testified by laying down his life, by taking those wounds in his hands and his side, and he still looks as if he's been slain. And uh, <laughs> I think the Holy Spirit has been with us as we've been preparing. I think we've sensed that. And uh, as we've exchanged notes, um, I, I'd seen um, my friend Mary here, her group had looked at some Bible project stuff um, about um, the blood of the lamb. And she shared it with me and I put it in a, in a chat to you and you said, that's, that's crazy because you just found exactly the same one. So we're gonna look at that now. We all long for the world to be good, for people to live in peace, act with love and justice, but there's a problem. Something compels us humans to constantly wreak havoc and destruction instead, and we call this evil. And from the Bible's point of view, evil ruins things in at least two ways. There's a direct effect of our evil, like when someone steals from another person, they've created injustice. Yeah, therefore, you know, they owe something to make it right. But there's another indirect effect of evil, because they've also ruined the environment of the relationship, creating a lack of trust, there's emotional damage. It's like vandalism, and they need to make that right, too. Now, many people believe, hey, God is good. He should be the one to just get rid of all the evil in the world. But let's be honest. I mean, the evil that I see everywhere out there, it's the same evil that's inside of me. We have all contributed, and, and we keep doing it. And so this kind of puts us in a bind. If God's going to rid the world of evil, he'll have to get rid of us. And this is what's so remarkable about the story of the Bible. This God is so good that not only is he going to rid the world of evil, he's going to do it without destroying humanity. So how is he going to do that? Well, early in the story of the Bible, we're introduced to this practice of animal sacrifice, which I know, it seems weird to us, but for the Israelites, it was a very powerful symbol of God's justice and of his grace. So remember, I'm a contributor to the evil that's in the world. I should be removed. But God is allowing this animal's life to be a substitute. It's symbolically dying in my place. And the biblical word for this is atonement, which means to cover over someone's death. But there's a second part to this ritual. Remember, evil also causes this relational vandalism. And in the Bible, this idea is described as polluting or defiling the land and making it unclean. So the priest would symbolically wash away the vandalism by sprinkling the animal's blood in different parts of the temple. So the animal's blood is cleaning things? Well, remember, this is a symbol, and it's a symbol that we're not used to. The blood represents life. And the sprinkling of the blood is this representation of how God is cleaning away these indirect consequences of evil in their community. In the Bible, this process is called purification. And so the temple and the land now become a clean space where God and his people can live together in peace. 
So this ritual makes things right between Israel and God. And more than that, the Israelites experience God's love and his grace through these symbols. And by being forgiven, ideally, this would compel them to become people of love and grace too. Right, that's the ideal, but it wasn't always happening. Right. So the prophet Isaiah, for example, he talks a lot about this. He opens his book by saying that the continual sacrifices of the Israelites had become meaningless because they were also allowing great evil in their midst, ignoring the poor and the oppressed. Even the Israelite kings were distorting justice. But Isaiah looked forward to a day when a new king from the line of David would come and deal with evil, but in a surprising way. The king would become a servant and not just serve, but also suffer and die for the evil committed by his own people. And his life would be offered as a sacrifice. And this is the promise Jesus believed he was fulfilling. He's the king of Israel suffering and dying on the cross. In fact, Jesus himself used Isaiah's words when he said that he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And that word ransom refers to a sacrifice of atonement. And so all over the New Testament, we hear about how Jesus' death was an atoning sacrifice for us. It covered the debt that humans owe God for contributing to all of the evil and death in his world. But the New Testament authors also talk about Jesus' death as providing purification. And so we hear about Jesus' blood as a symbol of his life, having this ability to wash away the vandalism that evil has caused in us and around us so we can now live at peace with God. So that's the meaning behind Jesus' death. But there's more to the story. Yeah, the New Testament makes this powerful claim that Jesus' death was not final. He rose from the dead. And so he's the sacrifice who broke the power of death and evil, which means that he lives on to offer his life to anyone who will accept it. He is the perfect sacrifice to which all the previous sacrifices were pointing all along. So because of Jesus, the early Christians stopped participating in the ritual of animal sacrifice. But they were given new rituals. There are two that Jesus taught his followers to perform. The first is called baptism. Just as Jesus died, so going into the water becomes this personal connection you now have to his death. And in coming out of the water, you, so to speak, come back to life with Jesus. So baptism is the sacred ritual that joins your story to Jesus' death and his resurrection. The second ritual is called the Lord's Supper, which is a reenactment of Jesus' last meal with his disciples. And he used bread and wine to portray his coming death as a sacrifice. And so now followers of Jesus, they take the bread and the cup regularly to remember and to participate in the power of Jesus' death and in his life. So these rituals, they remind us of God's love and encourage us to live a life of love and grace. But they do more than that. They connect us to a new life source. The very power that brought Jesus back from the dead is the same power that can deal with the evil in our own lives and transform us into people who lead lives of love and peace. So the very power that brought Jesus back from the dead is the power that transforms us, that enables us to live lives uh, of peace and hope and grace for others, uh, even through the tough times. Um, just jumping on to, to chapter six, um, as I read through Revelation, 
Uh, when he opened the, this is verse nine, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls, that's the, the, the souls of, of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. Um, remember, uh, John is uh, sharing his vision, which is very, very, a vision, it's very visual, it's showing us in symbolic language the great truths of the struggle that that we're in um, and I sometimes think of this a bit like um, a bit like a, a projection screen a bit like wherever we are whether we're in prison whether we're going about our daily lives whether we're really in a struggle personal struggle actually being projected onto the wall behind us through the darkness there are these eternal truths about those who've gone before us and above all about Jesus and the victory that he brings. And here, how poignant it is, those who have themselves laid down their lives for the word of God, uh, and they're buried under the altar, and but they've still, got, um, they've still got personality, they've still got life, and John's able to engage with them, and they're still yearning for that final victory. I actually find this particularly poignant. Um, when I first went, my very first trip to Africa, I went to Ghana and um, the story of, in fact, the Methodist um, mission to Ghana um, is a story of laying down lives, not in persecution, not in um, the kind of danger that sheds blood, but facing, of course, illness, probably malaria, wasn't it? And there in the 1830s, the first five, um, a couple, a couple, a single man. Um, they all died within uh, within two years of arriving mm. on the coast of Ghana, um, and they are buried under the pulpit. Mm. Um, and I preached in um, Cape Coast Methodist Church. I stood in that pulpit. Now I don't think I preached there, but my my colleague did. But I stood in that pulpit, and. That those five who laid down their lives, they are buried there. They gave their lives for the gospel. And I looked out and I saw a full church of people worshipping God. And I thought if I'd been called um, to go there and lay down my life, would I settle for, you know, 180 years later, would I settle for thousands of people worshipping God? Yes, mm -hmm. I would. <laughs> Um, so the endurance that we're called for, it is worth it. So there were those then already who had down their lives. Um, and by the way, uh, in as you read through Revelation, you're not supposed to think that it's a, um, a linear narrative. You're not supposed to think one thing follows another. These are like scenes, like I say, being flashed on the, on the ceiling, if you like, images of what's going on. Um, so, Caroline, we get to your your verse that you landed landed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, they have conquered him. The brothers and sisters um, have conquered the enemy, the dragon. They win. We win. Sometimes we talk about, you know, I've read the book. I've read the end of the book, and we win. <laughs> We do, because Jesus did. But we win how? We win the way Jesus did. Um, not by evading, 
the tough stuff, but by going right through it. So conquering, winning is a triumph that looks like Jesus' resurrection triumph. And there's no way there except by the cross. It's always following Jesus, following the way that Jesus went. Okay. Um, and uh, by the way, these, these words, um, you, you know I love words, um, but this one is a really important one. Um, the, the word that comes up as witness uh, uh, and the same root that comes in bearing testimony, although it's slightly different, the word in Greek uh, is um, martus. Uh, Jesus, that witness, is the word is martus. Now, that's the word that gives us martyr. Um, and in the beginning, it just meant witness. But as they went on through, as time went on, uh, the witness uh, involved so many laying down their lives. In fact, there's a story told that um, some of them in the Great Persecution in I think the second century, who um, survived, they were the survivors, although they'd been faithful, they didn't think they were worthy of the name witness, because they'd survived. And the word wow. began, the word began to change. And of course, it's given us the English word martyr, um, which is one who lays down his life uh, for a cause. So, uh, here's here's the way we get the here's the way we win here's the way we get this victory um and i'm very thankful to um ian paul's new uh, tyndale commentary on revelation which i i think is brilliant and this comes from there um so the victory has two parts in it one which establishes the victory and the other which makes the victory uh, real and visible. So the first, what the basis for the victory is the blood of the lamb, which we've already looked at. That is, it's another, another way of talking about his death. You know, some people talk about the blood of the lamb as though it's a, a magic potion. <laughs> and we've seen that it's certainly not that. It's the, it's the power of laying down his life. That um, measureless, limitless uh, offering for us in obedience to the Father. And the second is the word of their testimony, that is their faithful witness to the truth and transformative power of the death of the Lamb. Remember, um, witness is a courtroom word. So if you're summoned to, to say what you know about an incident, that's your, you are a witness, you are testifying. Uh, and of course, um, for us, it's, it's not just proclaiming. Um, uh, our words on their own are not enough. It, it's got to be lived out in our lives. So without the fact that Jesus died, without the blood of the lamb, there is no basis for victory over Satan and the power that he exercises. Without our testimony there's no reality in it um, we're the ones called uh, to uh, to make real to the people around us 
um, they haven't got to just read the story in the book. Um, they see in the quality of our lives, uh, whether it's true, the quality of our love, the quality of our faithfulness. Um, and actually, Caroline, you wanted to, you wanted to cut the verse off halfway. Um, and uh, I reminded you that uh, the word of their testimony is the fact that they loved not their lives, uh, even unto death. You know, it's a powerful testimony that goes on even when the cost is great. Do you know, yesterday I was uh, working on some of this stuff um, and uh, I'm, I have all kinds of windows open on my computer and I was suddenly getting a message from Burkina Faso um, and my dear friend Absa, who is um, a translator into her mother tongue, which is uh, Fufulde, um, she was messaging me and um, I told her that I was doing this and um, that we were just talking about the cost. Her brothers and cousins were chased out of their village about a year ago um, because they're faithful to Jesus. They escaped with almost nothing. They're herdsmen. They've ended up having to sell the remaining cattle that they had just for uh, just for basics of food and, and medication at the moment. They are desperately poor. Some of them have been killed. Uh, I think she did lose um, a distant cousin uh, in that attack. Um, <laughs> so, you know, this is not just theory. <laughs> these, are, these are people I know, someone who was longing to um, sit with me and for me to pray with her and to, uh, and, and to comfort her as I've done before because of what her family are going through in Burkina Faso. Um, so true testimony means that we don't shrink. And it's, it's living a life like Jesus. <laughs> it's precisely following the pattern of Jesus, the faithful witness. Yeah. To follow the crucified one means to live a cross-shaped life, a Christ-like life, a crucified cruciform life back to you caroline thank you rosemary i think you'll all agree that was incredible um just to to give that that insight and um, so so just to to finish up really um um, I just just for the application for today, really, I think Rosemary's covered it um, just at the end of what she was saying, you know, people are really living life um, unto death um, following Jesus. But, but for us, following Jesus, it calls for, for patient endurance through the highs and the lows of life. It's ongoing and, and our story is, is linked to his story. Our story is informed by his story um, and I, I just wonder and I've been challenged have we made our testimony um, too self-centered too too much about us have we made our testimony more to just about the point of salvation rather than the ongoing faithful witness that's that's required um, throughout life, do our, our deeds and our words match up um, to, the, to the people around us? Um, and I just, just to finish, I think, you know, we can glean from this that that needed to win is the blood of the lamb 
and the power of the testimony. Um, and winning actually looks like laying down your life to have it raised up again. So I hope um, that that has challenged you. I know it definitely did for me, even from the beginning in what I wanted to speak about and actually, you know, really having my eyes open to, to, to what the truth actually said in the Bible and realizing I couldn't just carry on with what, what I was <laughs> merrily wanting to say because that wouldn't have been true to, to the original um, text. And I hope the application for today has, has brought it more in line um, that, that, can, that can help you and challenge you. Um, so yeah, I would encourage you to really, when you're, you, you know, you inspired to look into the word, you know, really look into the context of before, the after. And if you've got any problems, just ring Rosemary. <laughs> She's always happy to help. <laughs> and you'll get all the information you need. <laughs> uh, thank you, everybody. God bless. <laughs>